Hello, everyone. My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives dedicated to giving you insight and analysis into the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Today is April 9th, 2017. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty good. Uh, Masters Sunday, we got Braves baseball on. Uh, Hawks are about to come on as well. Uh, Only low light for me is my dog's been puking all over the place and almost caused me to puke myself while I was cleaning it up. Well, as bad a day as your dog is having right now, perhaps, maybe she's not feeling too hot, can't be worse than the week that the Braves have been having. Um, so we'll jump into our Braves report as the regular season has finally gotten underway. So we'll be shifting the Falcons to third, I think, because uh, not as much is going on there. This is more current. More current indeed. So uh, just a little recap. Love baseball season, by the way. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad it's back. Favorite type of, time of year. I feel like it's been forever, too. It's like when you don't have the best team in the world, um, and then you want to get back into it. Right. Uh, when the new season comes, because you know spring equals hope to all, uh, it's nice to have it back. But um, there's a little less hope than there was uh, last week. Right? Yeah, I think we were sort of riding in on uh, cloud nine, maybe a little ill-advised for some reason. Yes, uh, not going to have too big of a knee-jerk reaction though. I mean, it's not looking amazing, but at the same time, it's early. It's early. There's no reason to freak out just yet. And uh, it's sort of like what you told me: um, we're not good enough to get too upset. Ah. It's a good that's, metaphor. Yeah, exactly. That's what um, uh, my parents' uh, minister told my dad on the golf course. That he's like, Ed, you're not good enough to get mad. Put put shit in perspective when you think about exactly. it that way. If we were the Cubs and we started out one and four, yeah, you'd be a little might, upset. Might panic a little bit. Yeah. At least it's not zero and nine. Indeed, like last year. Right. Um, so we've gone one and four to start the season as of today. Uh, lost two of three to the Mets and have lost two straight to Pittsburgh. Currently, as we're recording this, the Braves are up 3-2 to two on Pittsburgh. Uh, hopefully, we can get a win here. Swanson and Dan, Freeman yeah. have both hit home runs, which was cool. Uh, First homers of the year for the Braves from anybody not named Matt Camp. Indeed. And uh, so, what happened during the week was, um, starting rotations, early results have been mixed. Uh, Julio looked okay um, through six innings against the Mets on Monday. Um Six innings pitched, four hits, three walks, and six strikeouts um, with no runs. But he struggled with his location as the game went on. Uh, lots of deep counts. He had about 72 pitches through three innings. Never really got in a rhythm. Um, I don't think he had a one, two, three inning, maybe except for the first inning. Um, but he gutted it out. Gutted and through it. Yeah, he didn't allow any runs and got out, out of jam after jam seemingly every inning. Then the bullpen exploded. Yeah, that, that was quite... Uh disconcerting. Oh, yeah, it's atrocious. Uh, um, especially when you hang in the game when you're matching Syndergaard. Maybe not pitch for pitch, but inning for inning. Yeah. You know, he's not giving up any runs. We're not giving up any runs. And then we get to, I believe it was the seventh. Seventh inning. Yeah. Um, they just start walking people left yeah, and right. We walked five people. I think we walked two runs in. Um, Flaherty looked god-awful like he <laughs> forgot that he knew how to pitch yeah, after someone- spring training. Truly shows that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, I believe you said uh, he's going to have like a two, two, Sub, three ERA. Yeah, two, like three that. point two. I think I said actually. Yeah, it still could happen. Yeah, remember that's a good. He looked, he looked better in his second outing. He, he did, but that first outing was atrocious. Yeah, uh, Kroll looked bad. Jose Ramirez showed up finally. I guess we should have put him in earlier. Yeah, um, Syndergaard just shut down the offense, and we wound up losing that game six to nothing. Uh, so it wasn't a good start. But then the ageless one, Bartolo Colon, 
got us on the pathway back to redemption. We're going to love that guy. And uh, he may look like a joke, but if you don't take him seriously, he will put you down. Yep. Six innings pitch, six strikeouts, only one earned run on a homer, and only give up two hits. Uh, Matt Kemp really balled out and hit three doubles and drew a walk and was definitely the MVP offensively. And the bullpen really redeemed itself. Uh, Viscaino and Johnson, who didn't get to pitch, shut the door. And Jose Ramirez also pitched again and did really well. Thank God we won that game, too. Like, Yeah, if we were coming into this game today 0-5. Then we'd be feeling the pressure. Yeah. And um, generally, we in the past, we don't pull out those uh, extra inning games. No, that was Especially a really, on the road. That was a really good sign that we won that game. How, yeah. many, how many innings did that game go? 12? 12, yeah. Like, yeah. we lose that game last year. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh the next game, Matt Kemp continued his torrid stretch, um, hit two bombs, but the rest of the offense was just totally fucked against Matt Harvey. He looked like he was uh, thinking he was a rookie again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in, in fairness, we've uh, run up against some damn good pitchers. Yes, yes. Uh, the Mets have a great rotation. You know, you face Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Harvey. That's tough. Uh, and Harvey looks like he's got his mojo back. Yeah. So he doesn't suck like he did last year. I mean, maybe it'll turn out he will, but it, he looked pretty damn good that night. So you leave New York uh, having lost two of three. But once again, tough tough opponents. Yep. Tough pitching staff to face. And this, I thought, was horseshit, is that you leave New York. It's probably 1130 or something, 3 a.m. I don't know. You leave pretty late. And... Uh, Ten hours later, if you leave it, if you get in at three in Pittsburgh, you got to play. Yeah, I don't understand why the hell they did it like that. Yeah, so the game the previous night was at seven thirty or something, seven o'clock. Then the game the next day is at like one. Yeah, for p.m. First week schedules always all over the place, but yeah, yeah that, that really screwed them over. Yeah, um, Fulty pitched that game, realized uh, spring training was over, and thought it was a regular season again, I guess, and turned out a uh, performance we've seen too many times. Um, it was his first loss since August 2nd, so maybe I'm being a little bit of a prick to him. But at the same time, didn't look good. Only went three and two-thirds of an inning and threw 91 pitches. So he just didn't get ahead in the count. It seemed like he was working behind all the time. Gave up six hits and walked three through three and two-thirds. Uh, just a really bad all-around performance. Yeah. At the same time, though, we weren't out of the game at that point when he yeah. left. Yeah, he was definitely just trying to be a little too perfect. And I yeah. think some of those uh, mental errors that we were talking about Came into play again. Seemed like he had gotten better with that, and hopefully this is just a bump in the road. So a couple times he was getting visibly upset with not getting the calls going his way. Yeah, he's really got a shitty just body language down. and yeah, what have you. And I know from personal experience, you start doing that shit on the baseball field, it's not going to get any better. So. And, you, and you look like a prick, too. Yeah, so he really needs to work on that, and hopefully it's something he can... It's a process, too. We can't expect him especially if that's how he's been throughout yeah. his career, to just automatically be like, okay, I'm not going to let it affect me. It doesn't work like that. Shit doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. At the same time, he's got to really work on that or he's never going to be a successful uh, pitcher in this league. While we're talking about the young guys, uh, pulled the minor league report as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Aaron Blair got shelled. Like, absolutely shelled. What was his stat line? Is he I, in double A or triple A? He's in triple A. Triple A. I don't have his stat line, but I, I think he went like two innings and gave up like eight runs. No, Jesus. And then uh, Whistler as well, he did five innings, six hits, five runs, two walks, and one strikeout. Not solid. No, so pretty underwhelming yeah. for those two. I'm and not giving up on those guys, but the thought of them being top of the rotation, which yeah. I don't think they were. I think they were more mid-rotation. I think Blair is a little higher rated than Whistler in uh, Baseball America or whatever it was, uh-huh. but I'm beginning to not 
hope for the. I'm not giving up on them, but I'm not. I'm not I don't think either yeah, one of them definitely are gonna be, definitely taking a they're gonna a be back, back seat now. Yeah, they're going to be back of the rotation guys if they make it. So ho- hopefully that's not the same for Fulte, but we shall see. Yeah. Um. So Cole Mentor comes in after Fulte gives up back to back homers to Cervelli. And yeah, that wasn't the start for Josh Cole Mentor that I was hoping no, for. It was funny. It was I was watching the game at work, so I was streaming it at work legally. I will add, and. Uh, I'm uh, I'm watching the game. I see him give up the home run. I have to go talk to someone about an issue that's happening on the development team. Uh, and I, and not, I come, not, not an issue on the baseball field? Not an issue on the baseball field. And okay. I come back and, and pull the uh, the screen back up, and then someone else is trying around the bases. I'm like, what is yeah. this, like one of those fucking replays? That, that one pissed me off, too, because like we were kind of battling our way back into that game, and like we had scored a couple runs, and then Cole Mentor immediately just comes back and yeah. gives it up. And we still we almost came back again. You know, Phillips comes in, has a really nice two-RBI single. Um, I think we were down five to four at that point, and then Swanson struck out with the bases loaded, and we just ultimately couldn't come back. Yeah, Dansby had a couple times this week where he could have won a game for us and just didn't come through. Yeah. I think the good thing, though, that I've seen is that this team is fighting. Um, you know, I feel like last year at this time, if we go down five to one, we're going to lose eight to one, or it's going to remain five to one. Like, right. We have no chance in hell of coming back. That yeah. can be, I think that's a personnel thing, partially, and. Mentality. A mentality thing too, so that oh sure you got to you got to take the little the little victories if you can call them that yep. in this situation. Um, so then that brings us to the game last night. So we lost one game in Pittsburgh. Um, R. A. Dickey didn't look amazing. Uh, it seemed like every time we looked up where while we were at the bar last night, it seemed like he was just throwing meatballs in there and getting yeah. shelled. In fairness, we didn't really watch that game all the way through, but no, yeah. we, we were well, keeping track of it. But yeah, uh, you know, you got people around, and Atlanta United was on too. Yeah. Um, I believe I made the comment that we're going to end up fucking hating R.A. Dickey by the end of the year based off the three pitches I saw. Yeah, which was a little little much. <laughs> but, got, uh, got a little aggressive there. Yeah. So Dickey, while not having the best stat line, went five and two-thirds, gave up nine hits, six runs. Yeah. Only three earned, yeah. though. Three unearned runs. Um, so we were butchers in the, uh, in the infield. And even plays that were made, I think there was a play made by... Adonis, where he bobbled the ball, picked it up, and just threw it in the dirt like a maniac, and uh, Freddie bailed him out. But you're a fan of Adonis and his uh, defense, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he made another bonehead play, or he made an error. Um, Phillips made an error. Error. Phillips made an error as well, but it was a really perplexing call to me. It was really early in the game. We were up, I think, three to two, or we were down two to one. It was really. It was a close game. One run game. Yeah, and it was. And it's early. It's like in the third or fourth inning, and for some reason, Snicker. Says infield in, and the ball's hit oh, so yeah. hard that Phillips can't make it. They gave him an error, which I thought was horseshit. Right, um, but the word of the day. Yeah, it's like why why call infield in in the second or third inning? It doesn't really make any sense to me. And because of that, you know, if he just makes that play and gives up the run, we don't give. I think we give up two runs that inning. Yeah, but then we only give up one one run if uh, if we don't do that. If the play does get made and he throws him out the plate, then Snickers a genius. I I disagree. I think it's a bad call regardless of the outcome there. Even if he got him out, it's just like. The smart move is not to like, when you go yeah. and field in. That's a do or die situation. That's not a do or die situation. It winds up tacking another run on that shouldn't have happened because that should have been an out, right? Um, but yeah, and then I know uh, there's also Suzuki had some issues catching RA as well. Yeah, the knuckleball was definitely diving on him late. Uh, he ended up with three pass balls. Uh, so for the game, yeah, three pass balls and the two errors, so that leads to the 
three unearned runs, and uh, it's definitely going to take some time to develop the chemistry with Suzuki and Dickey. Um, that seems to be the guy they're going to go with. Someone just hit a bomb. Freddie just hit another Freddie home just run. hit a bomb. Fuck nice. yeah, dude. He hit the shit out of that one. Two home runs for Freddie Freeman today. That's what we're talking about. All it took, I called Freddie out earlier because he hadn't been hitting so much, and uh, he heard me. I guess so. He said he needs to be our team MVP. It was like an inning later he hit his first home run. I had a double, two home runs today. That's what I'm talking about. I know for the past, uh, when R.A. was in Toronto and in New York, York, he had the same catcher, actually. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, he followed him. Tomlin, Tomlin, I want to say. Josh Tomlin? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things, and R.A. RA understands it, that it's not an easy thing to catch a knuckleball. But it definitely hurt us last night. Yeah, and uh, we hit into three double plays as well, and those were all backbreakers. Those were all in That'll situations piss. where runs definitely could have been scored. It wasn't just a guy on first every time. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of that early this year, too. Double plays and strikeouts and... Yeah, with uh, runners and scoring. Thank position. God, Freddie's come around today. I was I wasn't getting too concerned, but he looked really bad last night. He was swinging at pitches way out of the zone. Very unlike him. He's usually well disciplined. Yeah, at the plate. So it's good to see him kicking ass today. But we were three for fourteen with runners in scoring position uh, last night. Um, so five games in before today's game, uh, Nciarte and Swanson are both hitting one seventy four. Freddie was hitting two thirty eight. He's probably hitting three forty now. Um, so the top of the order, which is the backbone of the offense on which the fate of this team offensively rests, has been pretty bad. Matt Kemp certainly has shown up. He's been doing it. Marquecas and Phillips are doing okay. They're getting it going a little bit. But coming into today's game, with the exception of, of Kemp, everyone's hitting 238 or worse. Um, yeah, for a team, we're hitting 236. Yeah. Which is, it's bottom. Right. And once again, it's just the first week. No reason to freak out yet, but it is worth mentioning that I think the slow starting though the starting rotation has struggled a little bit, um, and the bullpen has had its ups and downs. So, the, besides that one inning, though, they've been pretty. They've been pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, the offense, I think, is to blame for this first week in terms of where we're at right now. Yeah, the power numbers aren't there yet, and of course, we're saying all this, and there's three home runs today. Yeah. But coming into today, we just had the two home runs for the year, twenty uh, seventh in the league in walks. Which I know you're a big walk guy. Yeah, you know when you got so Garcia and Kemp and uh, Phillips, who aren't big walkers, um, that'll definitely happen to you. Uh, it is early, but you don't want this thing to unravel on us quickly, especially yeah. especially with fan support. Um, we don't run as fickle as we are. Yeah, we don't want a repeat of last year. But I think too, I want to see a full week without facing the Mets and that right insane rotation they yeah. have. So. I'm going to take this first week with a grain of salt, but because we've got to do our due diligence, we've got to mention these bad things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so another Braves news. We signed Ryan Howard, the great Braves killer, who's hit like 28 home runs against us and slugged 500-plus. Um, the most home runs for any player at Turner Field that wasn't a Brave. Yeah, he so. seemed like every time he played him over the last just decade. bomb. Owned Tim Hudson. Right field. Owned Julio Tehran. Even last year, he still hurt us at times. And it's oh, just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, so he has underperformed big times ever since signing that huge deal from Philadelphia. Um, they released him, or he played out his uh, contract, I'm not sure which. But he's reported to extended spring training and will report to Gwinnett when deemed ready. Um, 
It's only a $700,000 deal for a year, so... Uh, sure, there's some incentives there if he makes it to the majors. Probably. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this, like, fuck me, if this was 2011, this team would be stacked. We'd have Dickey competing for a Cy Young. Kemp and Howard would be going for the MVP. Freeman would be a contender for Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, Freddie's better now, but and Brandon Phillips was a stud then. Yep. Um, and Marcakis was at the the peak of his career so it's like the all 2011 team now if we have Howard on this team unfortunately it's seven years later yeah so it's just kind of funny though to think about like how we assembled this team then yeah and Shipper would and be Shipper would be well on the team his, yeah still in his prime yeah not in his prime but he was still hitting the he's still hitting the ball cover off the ball um so I'm not a huge fan of this signing um Howard's a pretty worthless player right now he hit Below 200 last year. His OBP was at 257, which is all just total garbage. He did hit 25 home runs, but only hit 121 against lefties. So if you bring him in, he's going to be a player who's just going to be hitting, just, hitting against right-handers. Which is fine. I mean, we're not bringing him in to start at first base. No. but Did I, you see who our first bat off the bench was the other day when, when they pulled... Um, I guess it was when they pulled Bartolo with the bases loaded. Bringing our best pinch hitter. Who was it? Was it Flowers or Bonifacio? Bonifacio, yeah. If, so, if, I mean, if that's our card we're pulling, I mean, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, I think about this with Howard. It's like if you bring him off the bench, right, to go hit the righty, you know what they're going to do? They're just going to call in a lefty and he's just going to flail out there. I mean, he's going to be pretty worthless. Unless if we were an American League team and we said we want this guy to, you know, platoon at DH against righty starters, I would be more in favor of that. But as is right now, I think he's just going to be a pretty worthless addition if he ever What, what even... league are we in now, Dave? National League. National League, okay. Worthless addition is your prediction. Worthless addition. And, there are, and the thing that pisses me off, too, so yeah, you can, you can strategize and just say, okay, if you're going to put Ryan Howard in, I'm just going to put in a lefty, and he's going to suck. But I mean, this is one of those things, like, I mean, it's, there's not a huge... Downside is he clearly sucks in AAA and never makes the team. We're out at $700,000. Give a shit. Yeah, I mean, there's no risk here, really. See, I just wish we signed someone else. Like, well, we you still have, can. True, but I mean, you have Kelly Johnson out there. And hell, if you want a guy who has decent power against lefties and righties, you got Billy Butler, who's yeah. Still I, I saw in your uh, show notes that he was out there. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's always been a solid hitter. Yeah, he's not going to play a position in the field, but he's a guy that can pinch hit pretty effectively against lefties and righties. You know, getting Howard, who can easily be pitched around and has a hard time staying healthy, and is not even a replacement player, and won't even be really that effective at what he's brought in here to do, which is pinch hitting, because you can just call on a lefty. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Well, what I'm hoping is maybe him escaping Philadelphia and the uh, the pressure of that big contract because it was really like the last three four years he was there he wasn't living up to it. No. So fresh start for him. Like I said, he's still patient. gonna he's still see, gonna suck against left handers. See what happens in AAA. Yeah, I guess. I just think there are better options that Copy could have explored. And maybe he did, and just, they just wanted too much money. I don't know the full story. Yeah. I just think it's pretty worthless. I did tweet at uh, Dave O'Brien this week, oh, yeah? the day we signed Ryan Howard, asking why we don't um, pick up either Kelly or Frank, Jeff Francoeur's out there still as well. Mm-hmm. He, he could be our fourth outfielder. Yeah, um, I mean... Thanks for the non-response on that one, D.O.B. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So if any of our listeners and fans ever tweeted at me, you better believe I'd respond. Oh to yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. We're desperate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so you think 
So you're more on wait and see on Howard. I'm more on the fuck this shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I don't, it's not like we're investing no. a lot. Of, it's not like we traded for him and no. traded some prospects away. So I mean, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Yeah. It's not like he's going to be taking someone's at-bats. No, not at all. I think you're just a little, uh, just because he's a Braves killer, you just don't like the name. Well, I have that, but I also just think, you know, I just don't see where he can even be half decent in the position we're going to put him in. It's just, he's not a major league player anymore. Would you rather have him or the other Ryan Howard? Oh, from the office? Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's that probably a nice little utility yeah, player. <laughs> probably. He could probably play second base, shortstop, yeah. third base, maybe uh, be used as a pinch runner. Step into that uh, Pete Orr I know he hole had... that we've been missing for 10 years. Yeah, I know he had a... Uh, Pete Orr's dr- available as well. We could have picked oh, him Oh, yeah, up. definitely. He played in the World Baseball he Classic did. at age like 47. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or, um, or Scott Thorman. Yeah. Or uh, we could bring back old Corky Miller. Yeah. Either way. It's something to at least watch, something interesting, see how he does. Maybe he could contribute. I'm not. I'm okay with it. Okay, so moving on from the Braves to the Hawks. Um, on packs. On packs. What in the name of sweet fuck is going on? This is the most schizophrenic team in any sport I've ever watched. After being being beaten by Brooklyn twice in a week, not this week, but the week prior, uh, we faced Boston and Cleveland. Which I thought were going to be instant losses. Yes. And the Boston game was at home, and we took out Boston in convincing fashion. The ball movement was crazy. Paul Millsap was incredible. Had 26 points in 29 He was coming off the bench that game, too, still, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. 26 points in 29 minutes. Um, Dwight destroyed Al Horford only holding him to four points. Torian Prince lit it up in the first half, had 20 points, but 18 of those came in the first half. Can we do a sidebar real quick? Sure. How do you feel about uh, Hawks fans booing Al Horford? I don't like it um, because I don't think that really is productive. I also think it's a little disrespectful. To yeah, he meant guy. a lot to us. Like I've, I haven't done my uh, full stat check on this, but I'm pretty sure our run of what's now 10 years in a row going to mm-hmm. the playoffs started Al Horford's rookie year. Yes, it did. Yeah, so I mean... I believe. He put us on the map. Yeah, yeah. and you know, he was a really good Hawk. Um, he played his ass off, um, did everything you wanted him to do. He wasn't a stud, he wasn't a superstar, but... That was never his role. Um, he really played his ass off. He went to Boston because the front office said, look, you know, we're going to probably go with Dwight, and would you want to play with Dwight? And he's like, no. At least that's what I yeah. remember happening, and he decided to pick. We what, offered him the, did we offer him the max we contract? We eventually too? did offer him yeah. the max contract, but I think it was too little too late because we already started talking to, right. to Dwight, and I think he was offended by that. And I can understand that. I mean, that's a guy coming to take your job potentially. Well, also, I mean, I'm thinking, like, so staying current with uh, this week in sports Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, which is what we generally discuss, um, for the Mets opening day, like, when Bartolo was announced, he got a louder ovation than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Even on the Mets uh, lineup. Yeah. Uh, And, he, I mean, he left for more money. It was the same scenario. Yeah. um, So, I... And Lane, I think we need to cool it on the booing. Of, yeah, uh, I don't think we need to boo Al Horford. I think he made the best decision he needed to make for him and his. And with what was being presented to him, it made the most sense to say, look, 
it looks like these guys are ready to move on. They offered, I think they talked to Dwight before they're talking to me. And yeah. Clearly, Dwight was in the mix. I'm not sure how it all worked out, but I, I get where he's coming from, and I don't think we need to boo him. Then again, this is the uh, the same city that booed Tom Glavin when he came back to Atlanta in a Mets uniform. Yeah, and I thought that was horse shit, too. I remember going to one of those games, and I, you know, Tom Glavin came up, and I got up and was clapping and cheering for him. And yep. Everyone else is booing him because he took the money in New York. And you can feel spurned by that, and I can understand that reaction, but you can't take away what someone has done for you. Yeah. Especially Tom Glavin. Like, Jesus Christ, we don't win the World Series without Tom Glavin. We don't have that run, that unprecedented run of 14 straight division titles, five National League championships, and a World Series without that guy. He was, you know, he was essential, essential to that. And, um, you know, he once again, it was one of those things where he took the money, and I'm not sure, you know, what happened in those negotiations, but are you going to turn down less money to go some to a new job, even though you might, you know, even though your company might view you as, you know, an essential part, but hey, you're going to get paid more? Yeah, I don't believe in loyalty. Yeah. That's I, not true, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite loyal, like a dog. Indeed, but... uh you know, it's it's the business side of sports, and it's ugly, and we get hurt, and we get angry when our players leave us that we really love. But you know, it's Points. part it's part of it's part of being a fan. It's part of the game. Yeah, show a little respect, fans. Yeah, especially for what these guys have given you. Al Horford gave his two pectoral muscles for this team. He gave everything he had for this team. His two pectoral muscles. Maybe yeah, tore one yeah. one year, tore another one the other year. <laughs> nice reference. He needed the uh, the iron. I think he wore like an iron breastplate. Maybe or they're something. booing because there was the whole thing with uh, Tito Horford, his dad. Remember that he was talking talking shit. shit about Atlanta. Yeah, so I can you know I can understand that a little more. That, that seems to be a theme though of uh, basketball players, fathers talking shit. Yeah, and it backfiring. Yeah, and you know it is what it is. I just don't think you should boo a guy who gave you so much. There's just no reason to do it. And if they leave, they leave. It's just, we got to understand this part of the game. You know, um, one of Jeff Day DeLore's, uh, this is a friend of ours, very good friend, uh, one of his neighbors lived across from Al Horford. And Al would uh, bring his trash can out to the curb himself. No, Al was, and that's one thing I loved about Al was his humility. Uh, he wasn't somebody who went around bitching about calls, bitching about anything. He just shut, he shut up and played. Yep. That's exactly what you want from a guy. Yep. Apologize for the uh, the sidebar there. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I do hate seeing Al Horford in a Celtics jersey, and it does piss me off, and I'm not going to cheer for him at all. Oh, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we yeah. beat him down like that, too, but... But uh, I bo- do respect the fuck out of that, necessary. man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dwight held out of four points. Millsap, 26 points in 29 minutes. Torian Prince with 18 points in the first half. Coming into his own. Uh, he's looking just better and better through each and every game. That is the good thing about this uh, terrible stretch we've had with, um, with Paul out and some of the other starters out that uh, like Torian Prince has gotten so many more minutes now and shown Bud that he deserves to keep getting those minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the thing I loved about this was, you know, we had 26 assists in the Boston game. And I know we weren't anywhere close in those those Brooklyn games. That This was the first time in maybe like 
three months that this felt like a Mike Bordenhoser coach team. Atlanta Hawks basketball? Yeah. It was what like, it should be? Yeah. yeah. Like, er, no one was selling for a bad shot. There wasn't Dennis dribbling around in a circle and then jacking up a 15-footer. Right. It was, or any really that many alley-oops or anything like that. It was like, let's pass the ball till someone gets an open shot. It was selfless. It was beautiful. That's what we needed to Started knocking some threes down again. Yeah. And uh, so then... Uh, we play Cleveland on, what was that, Friday night? Friday night, Dave. Yeah. And so it, they announced before the game that none of the starters are playing, either due to... Why the hell were they resting Dwight with all the other starters being out? I think they thought that there was no chance in hell they were going to win the game, so it's <laughs> so like, like yeah, why, why well. waste Dwight? Yeah. Um, but the bench players and Tim Hardaway Jr. said uh, wrong because they just went absolutely apeshit. And dished the ball out 39 times and won by 14 points in Cleveland while Cleveland was at full strength. It really was remarkable. I was um, I was at El Bandido, a uh, Mexican restaurant in Little Five Points, and the whole place was actually really getting into it, which you don't generally see at a Mexican restaurant uh, for a Hawks regular season basketball game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the guys that were out there doing it too, Ryan Kelly had 20 minutes. I don't think he's touched the court all game. 20 minutes and got four points from the guy. I mean, yeah. just everybody. It was truly a team effort. Yeah, Dunleavy dropped 20. Tim Hardaway Jr. In the Which I'm sure quarter. was sweet for Dunleavy oh, going yeah. back into Cleveland. Got his vengeance there. Definitely outplayed Kyle Korver. Um, Chris Humphreys had 12 points. I still like Chris Humphreys, man. The yeah, I, I kind of want to like him on I, the court. I want him to play more. Yeah. I mean, it seemed it was crazy, too. It was like backyard basketball. We were getting rebounds and just... Chucking balls down the court to people for right. these runaway dunks. I mean, Humphreys was just owning the paint. It was bizarre. Everyone was making the extra pass. You know, we were turning LeBron over, and you could tell Cleveland didn't give a shit about this game, but they were completely outplayed and embarrassed. I mean, we were up by 20 points in the fourth quarter, and it was fucking over. Yeah. It was incredible. It was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, and Tim Hardaway Jr., 15 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter. I don't think he missed. I don't think he missed in the fourth quarter. He was dunking... He was shooting jumpers. He was shooting threes. Jose Calderon had like 13 points. He was shooting yep. threes. We had 39 assists a season high when none of our starters played. That was grown man basketball. It was absolutely incredible. Um, the bench had a total of 55 points. Two weeks ago in Brooklyn, we only had seven. It's you know what the hell's going on. We cannot quantify this. I think I texted you that night, and I was just like, I don't know what the hell to make of this team now. Like I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it either. And so that's exactly what I'm coming to now. It's just sort of like, did the Hawks finally click, or is this just another example of a very small hot streak before we get back to our slow, stagnant, ineffective offense that we've seen most of the year? Definitely uh, tough to say, obviously. Uh, We'll see what they do today against Cleveland, who this time you can guarantee they're going to show up. They're going to be pissed. Yeah, yeah. LeBron was not pleased after that one. Yeah. He's, he's going to probably take over. We might lose, but it was still a lot of fun to see. It brought me oh, back yeah. to that 2014-2015 no, season. I, I think the Bleacher Report um, update that I got on my phone said Cavs inexplicably lose to Hawks, <laughs> which is exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, There's no reason they should have won that game. That game should have been over by the third quarter. Yeah, but I definitely don't know what the hell to make of this team now. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get... Even though I am excited about it, I'm not going to get too excited and thinking we're going to make some epic run in the postseason now or anything like that. Right. It but does, it does make me worry that they like did all that without Schroeder. And I was like, what if, is Schroeder the problem? Well, by the same time, we saw that game against Boston where everyone was playing. We, right. we had that ball movement. We had yeah. that sense of camaraderie. We had the extra pass going. 
Um, so I don't think it's a shooter thing. I just think maybe we finally something clicked, which is ideal. If you can yeah. click going to the playoffs, I mean that generally we click in like December, January, and then it's gone and come April. Out. Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe it's going to work opposite that, for that us. That would be great. Year. I'm still not going to get my hopes up too much, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going nuts. I haven't been that excited watching a Hawks game in forever. Yeah, especially like once baseball season starts up, I kind of. Yeah, get away from that a little bit, right? And normally, when I've watched Hawks games this year, it's just been a like, it's, it's like a test of masochism. It's yeah, like how much can it's you just watch brutal. this? Brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, standings update for everybody: the Hawks clinched playoff berth last night for the tenth straight season uh, after the Bulls lost to Brooklyn, and we are likely to get the five seed. Uh, we have three games left against Cleveland, which is the game being played Man, today. So playoffs start like next week, huh? Yeah, crazy. Um, or the week after next. Uh, Cleveland, Charlotte, and Indiana are the last three games on the schedule. Um, we are ahead of Milwaukee by half a game, Indiana by a game and a half, and two and a half games ahead of Chicago. So I don't think we're going to slip to the eighth seed. Um, but this game against Indiana is going to be critical in terms of deciding seeding, probably, because head-to-head, they're right behind us. Um, so I'm not sure where we're going to So we could up. slip to number eight, huh? That would be terrible. Mathematically, yes, but I don't think. Yeah. Because Chicago's two and a half games back with three games. We'd have to lose all these games. Right, right. And they'd need to win. Yeah. So I don't see that happening, but... Yeah, that'd be worst-case scenarios play. Cleveland and then Cleveland just in us. round one, and then we're done. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should talk about what's the hypothetical best playoff scenario since we're actually in it. Um, I kind of want the seven seed, as weird as it sounds. Because the seven seed right now, you're slated to play Boston. And we match up really well against them. I think we've been in the last two times we've played Why them. Why do you think that is? I don't think they can get anything going inside. Um, I think we slow the game Classic Al Horford team. Yeah, like Al can't get anything going against Dwight. And he's not like the most essential cog of their offense because that's Isaiah Thomas. But yeah. we seem to just play really well against them this year. And... Um, and right now we're slated to play the Wizards if we remain the five seed. And I don't want to play them. They beat us three out of four times that we've played them. They've yeah. blown us out at home. John Wall is playing really well right Wall now. Wall and Bradley Beal, that's a hell of a duo. Yeah, I want nothing to do with them. Yep. Um, John Wall is going to own Dennis probably. So um, so I want Boston. And then, you Boston. know, if, if you somehow beat Boston. Oh, whoa, whoa. Is it too soon for us to play Boston? What do you mean? After the Super Bowl? Ugh. Didn't think about that little aspect. It won't hurt as much if we lose, or no. maybe it's exactly what we need. I think to it's get. what we maybe need. it's what we need to get over. Yeah, the because Super Bowl. Boston, okay. all these fans in Boston okay. until this week. So this week, Boston played Cleveland, and uh, everybody was kind of saying, "Oh man, this could be the year someone actually challenges Cleveland in the East for the actually the East title to go to the finals." And then they got shelled, and they got absolutely destroyed. That's what was funny about us beating the Cavs is the Cavs had just come off their best win of the year. I think that's why we beat them though; is they didn't care. Ah, uh, oh sure, but. Um, but anyway, so that would be great because expectations have started to rise in Boston. If we can right. go in there and upset them and we have nothing to lose as a seven seed, yeah. that would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, even though I don't think yeah, they I have a chance I'm... in hell to win the East, it would still be great. After the, They've had a really good season this year. Right. So I mean, as the seven seed, though, so if we were to go to Boston, then we know the next series would be against It would be Cleveland. against... No, it would actually be against... You, you could avoid Cleveland... Oh, yeah? Until the Eastern Conference Finals. Because then you'd play the winner of the 3-6 game. And that's likely to be uh, Toronto and Milwaukee or Indiana. 
So you have a better chance. I think we match up better against both those teams than we do against the Wizards or the Cavs. So you avoid the teams that you don't match up well with until, hopefully, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And then we lose there if we make a miracle miracle run. Yeah, I mean, if, if five's the best seed we could get, it doesn't really matter at this point because we're not going to have home court advantage in any series anyways Yeah, in that first round. So I think that would be kind of interesting if we, it would make it entertaining even though there's no hope to actually yeah, like the more we talk anything. about this the more i'm like hey, we're screwed no matter what. oh yeah absolutely there's no like you think i mean we got to win a game on the road we seem to play better on the road than we do at phillips arena so i'm not too concerned about that it's yeah. just the matter of you know the issue is and i think this brings us up to our next segment is you know are you happy to be in the postseason or would you rather just miss the playoffs and get in the lottery I think there's a lot to be said for making the playoffs, even if you're not winning. Like, as far as just having interest, like the city's interest in a team at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Hawks were just, I mean, making the playoffs ten years in a row is not, nothing to scoff at. No, um, it's just kind of like we. Just a, I think it's just a nostalgic thing for me as well. Just like that hope you have at the beginning of the playoffs, like maybe this is our year. We're gonna make a run. Right. You sort of get excited irrationally, which is fun. Yeah, but as you mentioned, ten straight years now we're gonna go, and we've seen this story play out nine times before, and only once out of those nine times in the 2014-2015 season was there a chance to do anything. Uh, with how deep this draft is, I'd rather have slipped into the lottery because we, we've had the postseason basketball experience so many times now, and it's just gonna play out the same way it always has. I would rather, with how deep the draft is, with guys like Darren Fox and Tatum. Even Ball and um, that kid from Washington, whose name's like, whose name I can't remember right now. Who knows if this is a chance to you know? And the lottery's a crapshoot anyway. But yeah, at least that's... we get put in a position if we go into the lottery to maybe get a franchise cornerstone player you can actually build around, which is what we're missing. So I would have liked, since this is a lost cause, to have gotten into the lottery, despite the fact that I enjoy being in the playoffs. Yeah. It's just like there's no fucking hope. Draft is a I mean, it's a complete crapshoot, though, even if these players are going to turn into anything. Of course. Um, but now we're just going to get the 15th pick and probably trade them for Tiago Splitter. Ooh. <laughs> Again. <laughs> or, you know, someone of his ilk. Oh, no, we'll definitely, tra- we'll definitely trade it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still... It's just a wasted season. Yeah, so that's why I'm thinking if we were to get in the, the lottery, at least something could come of it, potentially. Yeah. But... That ain't happening, though. We just clinched the playoffs. Nope. So... I get what you. I know what you're going after, though. Yeah, um, it was really funny listening to Dominique and uh, Bob Rathbun call the game on uh, Fox Sports South the other night against Cleveland. Much, Bob, be, much better announcing uh, duo than anything the Braves offer now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but Bob was going nuts after uh, Tim Hardaway had this backbreaking three against Cleveland. And he just goes, "Well, I'll tell you what, Neek." Look at Timmy go out there. And, and uh, Hardaway was doing this, like, shimmy. Shimmy, yeah. And he's like, look at this. This is the Timmy shimmy. <laughs> and it was just the whitest, funniest thing you've ever heard in your life. What did David Eke have to say to that? Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said. I think Probably, I, I, probably again. I, no, he didn't say again yet, but he did... Uh, because I think he was saying, Bob was saying it was the outro, so they didn't have Dominique <laughs> talk at that point. But gotcha. uh, there was one point where... Uh, Timmy Shimmy. I or, like yeah. No, it's, it was great. And there was one point where, where Dominique was just, you know, Tim Hardaway was knocking down this other shot or doing a dunk. He was just like, 
Again, Tim Hardaway getting into the interior for the jam. I love how Dominique leads off every sentence with again. Again. It just cracks me yeah, up. Yeah, it's classic. I mean, if you took a shot every time Dominique says again, you're going to die of You'd alcohol poisoning. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I wonder if he talks like that with his wife at home. You know, he's like, again, Sharon, you know, I took out the trash last night. I'm not sure how it got out there, but, you know, I put it in the can and took it out to the curb. I'd imagine Bob Rathbone's at his house all the time as well. Oh, yeah. To answer that. Well, I'll tell you what, Neek, these pancakes are the fluffiest little bastards I've ever eaten. <laughs> uh, again, Bob, you know, when Sharon puts the time in, uses the right uh, amount of eggs and flour and makes sure the combination is good, you're going to get a solid pancake. <laughs> Anyways, love those guys. A little, uh, <laughs> little aside there for you. I love doing impressions of uh, various people. Guilty as charged yep. with the impressions. Uh, but anyways... So we'll see what happens with these damn Hawks. The unpredictable, most schizophrenic team in the history of this franchise. Maybe they'll win an NBA championship for us. Who the fuck knows? Just all, it all clicks. That would be something else. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Trufant. <laughs> <laughs> so the Trufant deal, the long-awaited extension. Yeah, we've been squawking about for five weeks and now. And wondering how in the fuck... As the Braves are fucking blowing this oh, game. Jesus. Someone oh, dropped it in left field. Jace. Jace playing left field. Not Jace on base. Jace fucking it up and left. Oh, man. So now it's four to three Braves in the bottom oh, of the Jesus. eighth. Runners in second. If we third. blow this, it, that's going to be brutal. Runners in first. We can never record again during a Braves game if that happens. No. Oh, Jesus. Let's watch the play. It was a fly ball to left field. <laughs> oh, no, it's a ground ball to left field. I just can't yeah. see anything. Jace Bob with the ball allowed Marte to score. Oh, he probably wouldn't have gotten him out anyway, but... Now, it might, might have held because Marte was holding up, so... Oh, no, yeah, it was going to be bases loaded. Damn it. Well, it is what it is. Come on, Vizcaino. You know. It's good radio right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doing in-game yeah. analysis for something people will hear four days after the fact. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the long-awaited extension with Desmond Trufant finally happened. Um, five years worth $69 million with 42 guaranteed. Um, I'm really thrilled with this move. I'm not sure how it's going to work with the cap, but I'm sure Dimitrov knows, but we, we don't know how that's going to play yeah, out. We don't have their books. No, because so. I think we're at like $4 million or something, so clearly this deal is not going... I don't know when it starts. Whatever. Yeah, I, was gonna, I don't know how that works, because he still had one year left on his current... Yeah, Contract, so maybe so it just starts after. Does it start the year after? Perhaps, I'm not sure. We're not lawyers, I yeah. suppose. But maybe that's... Or very educated. No, not at all. But I think that could be the explanation. I'm not sure. Regardless, he's on the team for the next five years. So um, I'm thrilled with the move, uh, personally. He's one of the best corners in the league. He's entering his prime and can only get better. Uh, a lot of people have bitched this week about how this is an unnecessary move. Who's uh, bitching? People on the radio. Assholes. Yeah, um, how our secondary is good enough without Trufant, and I have to disagree. I think yeah, that, you know, it was fine without him during the end of the year. You know, as we got to the last couple games of the year, and then in the postseason, definitely looked good. But um, he makes the defense infinitely better. I mean, he's a first round pick, our first round pick, who's done a hell of a job uh, covering receivers. Pro Bowler in 2015. Yeah, and he's the reason. And the reason he only has seven picks. Is because his damn coverage is so good, and he's not targeted as much as our other cornerbacks. Yeah, so I mean that, that's why like um, people might not be excited about it is because you, you don't hear his name as much as you do some of the other like. No, but he's he's, he's for for that reason exactly. He's he's good at wrapping up. He's a great pass defender. 
Um, you know, and we've developed him. He's ours, and we should keep doing so. And he's only 26, and he's yeah. he's got plenty of room he's, to grow. He's a young man. So that, that his Pro Bowl season, he was targeted just 56 times by uh, the opposing team's quarterbacks, which was the lowest number of targets for a cornerback who played 75% of right. team snaps. That so means that he's respected across the league. Absolutely. Tons of respect there. And when you've got uh, these elite receivers in this division with, you know, Mike Evans on Tampa Bay, Michael Thomas could be an elite receiver next year in New Orleans, and Kelvin Benjamin in Charlotte, uh, you know, we need a number one shutdown corner. And no one on this roster, not Collins, not Poole, not Alford, are, are as good as Trufant. And we need Trufant to help cover those yeah, guys. Yeah, it's just going to make us that much deeper having him back, Yeah, so obviously. I, so I really don't get the consternation coming from people saying, why are we doing this? Yeah, and I don't see him being one of these guys who's going to um, get the big contract and then not live up to it. No. Because um, he, he's definitely listened to an interviews, interview of his. He's just very hungry to get back to the Super Bowl. I know it was really painful for him to just be on the sidelines watching that travesty happen. So he's, yeah. he's hungry to get back there. And, and, and we could have fucking a, used him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely could have yeah. used him. So... Great, um, great move all around. Yeah, if you have an opportunity to retain a player that has been valuable to your franchise, who's a key, key component of your team, and you can afford him, you keep his ass and you do not let him get away. So, Amen, brother. Applause all around for uh, Thomas Dimitrov. And TD we trust as well. Finally. And TD and Copy we trust. Yeah. Hawks, you're not there yet. <laughs> um, so here's a rumor that's been going around. Now, no other real Falcons news happening right now. Um, so we go to the rumor mill. We go to the rumor mill. This is not going to happen, so I'm just going to preface this, but it's fun to bullshit about. Uh, there's a rumor going around, and it's been confirmed by the uh, Seattle GM saying Sherman is on the block sort of kind of. They're not like actively looking to trade him, but he is available. Poor K. Um, it seems, and they want a first-round pick and a starter for him. Um there's apparently a lot of chemistry issues going on in Seattle and that he has kind of, you know, not getting along with the coaching staff as much, some shit with the players. Um, and apparently he's kind of instigated these talks of a potential trade. And he's a little bit of your stereotypical um, diva cornerback yeah. that you hear about in the and, NFL. Right, and when a team dangles a player like this, a player as good as Sherman is, because he's still really, he's an elite corner, you begin to wonder why they would do such a thing and make their team worse off unless they're getting back. Why the hell would that GM put that rumor out? Like, why would he confirm that? Like, I, what's the advantage of... I think... Well, that's just going to mess up the locker room more. It could. It issues. could, potentially. I think it could be a way of getting a team who is... If they're seriously considering this, it could be a way of getting a uh, a team who is has a high draft pick, you know, top 10 or something like that, yeah. who maybe needs some secondary help desperately. That could be a, a ploy there, perhaps. But uh, it also could just be a thing where maybe he's sending a message to Richard saying, look, man, shut the fuck up. Right. Like, if you really... if I'll call You're your, not I'm, untouchable. Yeah, I'm calling your bluff here and saying yeah. that, if it was a bluff, that, uh, hey, you know, this could happen. So... Right. I think that's really the motivation behind it. But... Yeah, not untouchable. Um, Adam, if Richard Sherman is offered to us and forget about money... They can figure that shit out, probably. But would you do it? Well, well, 
I mean, if we're trading a first-round pick, hell no. And a starter. And a starter, hell no. I agree. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I think... Um, 30-year-old player, especially with how well DQ drafts, and then he's also a, could be a break in the brotherhood, brothership that we have. Especially if these rumors are, you know, existing because of chemistry issues and with how tight that locker room is. No. I want none of this. I don't want the brothership to be disrupted at all. I don't want Richard Sherman to buy in the locker room and run in his mouth. We have a lot of guys on this team who are humble and hungry, and that's how I want to keep this uh, that's how I want to keep the Falcons. And even though Sherman is a hungry player, he sure as shit isn't humble. Not to mention he committed an egregious uh, pass interference on Julio Jones that lost us a ball game. Yeah, that'd be so, hard to forgive. Yes. Yeah, so, and right. also, we just don't need him at all. Now that we've signed Trufant to this extension, we have other areas of need on this team. Guard, linebacker, defensive end are far more important to fulfill. And hell, safety depth is also something we need. You know, our cornerbacks are set with Trufant, Collins, Alfred, and Poole. I'm good. Like, this would be an incredibly unnecessary move with that asking price. Even if you shipped Alfred to uh, Seattle for him with a first-round pick, I mean, I guess that could make you better, but I still don't want that. I'm no. happy with my guys. Yeah. Alfred's younger. He's not going to be a Richard Sherman, but we have Trufant. He's almost, he could be better than Sherman one day. Yeah, definitely. I, I do not need this at all. Don't touch it with a pole. Um, so, yeah. You heard it here first. We're not going to trade for Richard yeah. Sherman. And I heard a lot of talk on the radio this week about being like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, it'd be great if we could figure out a way to do this. And I'm like, what in the hell are you guys talking about? Like, I, I don't understand. I mean, I could get the argument that... On paper, yes, it looks good. On paper, it could look good. But when you need to address these other areas on the team, cornerback is the last fucking thing we should be touching. Right, right. It just makes zero sense. Especially when we have a, a Devontae Freeman to resign. Yes. So, Richard, stay in Seattle or go somewhere else. Leave us alone, please. We hate you, sir. <laughs> and now, to wrap this week's show up, we're going to do a quick-hitting top five in honor of the signing of Ryan Howard, who, keep in mind, if you listen to our earlier segment, was brought in to be a pinch hitter. So, Graham, let's just discuss real quick the top five uh, Braves pinch hitters in our lifetime. So that's from 89 to now. And so once again, sorry, long time homers. This is uh, loosely based on opinion, loosely based on facts, loosely based on distant memories. Indeed. So I want to have an honorable mention here. First off, I think you can have one honorable mention for your boy. I know we'll discuss. Ah, okay. Um, so not really the world's greatest pinch hitter or anything like that, but Rafael Billiard, <laughs> who was a member of the Braves in the uh, the '90s, was on that '95 World Series championship team. Made that amazing catch in foul ground for the second out in the '95 World Series. Uh, Rafael Billiard was an incredible defensive whiz. Not really known for his bat, but made a lot of plays from what my childhood fuzzy warm memories can conjure up. And uh, was always an all-effort guy. So that would be my honorable mention in terms of just a utility guy. And some of you out there that know me from my Gwinnett Braves days are going to be shocked that this guy isn't number one. I think he should be, but Graham's full of shit. Uh, But my honorable mention is the second mention in this episode, actually, of Pete Orr. Unless it gets cut out. <laughs> uh, Pete Orr, the old uh, Canadian utility player. Uh, 
could play second base or third base for you. Uh, maybe hit one home run in his career. Uh, didn't wear batting gloves and was fast as hell. Didn't you talk to him at one point too? Oh yeah, I met Pedor. What did I say to him? You were there. I was talking about that. Were you drunk or something? I think I said hi, Pete, and he said what's up. Um, so that was pretty cool. Nice guy. That's he was at the end of his career, which is still now. Um, just trying to figure things out in the minor leagues. He's still playing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Is he in, in the or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he, he's he's a hustle guy. Every, every team needs just a, a gritty, dirty. He'd be the guy with the most dirt on his uniform. Um, you always got to have that type of guy. Yeah, I don't have too many memories of Pete Orr, but I remember him being a solid little player. So had a lot of pine tar on his helmet too. Yep. So we'll get kicked off with our top five. Uh, starting at number five is Mark DeRosa, who had his big debut in 2001 against Montreal, where he hit a home run. He played in a few games. I'm sure you all remember it. Yeah, it was uh, against the Expos. I can't. I think it was in June. Uh, it was a walk off home run to win the game. He was replacing for Call, who I think was out for the year that year. Uh, to play shortstop. Stayed on the Braves for about five or six years. Um, we thought that maybe he could be a potential stud, but he never really... He went to the Cubs and became a really good player, actually. Well, he was good, and I think, but he wasn't like... Someone said something that was really interesting about him because he had this reputation for just being an incredible teammate. And when the Cubs had that amazing year, I think it was in like 2008 or something like that when he was on that team, Yeah, a lot of those players said, we wouldn't be shit without... Uh, Without the contributions that DeRosa, his leadership that he made to that team. I know so. it came up as a uh, managerial um, possibility now that he's retired. Yeah. They're squawking about... He's doing the MLB the, Network the, thing. They're squawking about the Braves hiring him to replace Freddie before Snitker came along. Yeah, and uh, he was always a pretty darn solid little player. So yeah. another another good uh, Braves pinch hitter. So number five, Mark DeRosa. Yep. Number four, we have the ageless one, Julio Franco. Um, definitely had some more regular playing time than a lot of guys on this list, uh, which might be why he's a little lower. But um, consummate professional, an incredible hitter, incredible eye for the ball. Uh, everybody loved him. And actually, something that, to make a callback to an earlier segment in the show, uh, I, he was on the Mets the same time as Tom Glavin. Yeah. When Julio, and I went to, I think I went to like almost every game that series. I think it was like two or three games. And um, so that night, Tom Glavin was, you know, pitching booze. He comes up the bat, booze. Julio Franco comes up the bat. It was like everyone just getting up, going to eat shit, clapping their ass off for Julio Franco. Not to say that wasn't deserved, but you're going to give Julio Franco. Yeah, why would he get that? Yeah. Just because he's old. Yeah, and he was a novelty. A good guy. And then you're going to say, fuck you to Tom Glavin. Swung a big ass bat. Now, I think the fences have been mended with Tom Glavin. He's obviously a semi regular on the Braves. Right. uh, You know, the Braves uh, TV broadcast and things like that. And I think. Everything's fine. I think everybody was just in a bad spot of that situation. But I remember as a kid, that pissed me off. And I was like, I mean, I clapped for Julio too, but I was like, I'm clapping for Tom Glavin. Fuck the rest of you. Just look around. You were just glaring at everyone around you saying, what the hell's the matter with you? Pretty much. So, but anyways, really loved Julio and the uh, the city definitely did as well. Julio Franco, number four. Uh, number three is big Eric Hensky, who was on the team from I think 2010 to about 2012. Yep. Um, hit one of the most epic pinch hit home runs I've ever seen um, in the 2010 National League Division Series uh, Game 3. We were down 1-0. It was the bottom of the 8th inning, 0-2 count, and Hensky hits an incredible ball. is about 
belt high, just crushes the ball down the right field line. Looked like it was going foul. It hits off the foul pole. Everyone just loses their minds. Tomahawk chop out of the ass. We think we're going to win. It's two to one. It's amazing. And then we obviously blow it because yeah. we're Atlanta. But it's one of the classic highest of highs before the lowest of lows. Yep. Which will be a segment for us down the road. Absolutely. We'll, we'll go through all those memories. Yep. Um, Nightmares. That was an incredible moment for him. And he was a damn good pinch hitter until about his last year with us where he really just started to fall off. But he was against a righty. God, he was atrocious in left field, though. Yes, he was a poor defender. But against a righty Looks coming like in off sh- the bench... That was a really solid option for both Bobby Cox and Freddie Gonzalez and uh, gave me a hell of a memory that I'll remember for the rest of my life. So, Number three, Eric Hinsky. And one of his teammates comes in at number two, Brooks Conrad, uh, who is vilified yeah. and, lo- and beloved at the same time. People forgot about uh, the good things he did before those playoffs. And the Braves fucking just uh, Tyler Flowers knocked in the run. Beautiful. Took a 5-4 lead in the top of the 10th. After blowing the game. Yep. Hopefully we can hold on to that. Uh, yeah, so Brooks Conrad had a hell of a run in the 2010 season. Um, had two or three pinch hit home runs. Had a pinch hit grand slam against Cincinnati when we were down like 10 to nothing to, to win the game or something like that. Now, he holds the record for the most pinch hit grand slams ever uh, with two. But both of them came in that same season. Yeah, so he had a hell of a run. Of course, he's also going to be remembered for his horrific defense uh, when he was playing second base for Martin Prado in the division series in 2010. That same game that Eric Hensky hit that home run, Brooks Conrad made an error early that gave the Giants a one nothing lead, and he also made errors that led to their victory in uh, the top of the ninth with two on. Or no, not two on. There was no one on. There were two outs, and uh, Giants got a base hit, and then Conrad made, I think, two errors that inning that cost us the uh, the ball game. Yeah, it was a real... Uh, or it might have been in the ninth inning and then the tenth inning, but point being, he made, I think, three misplays that game that cost us the, uh, yeah. the ball game. It's all mental, too. We just didn't have any other options, so that's why yeah. he was out there. We were down, you know, Chipper... Martin was out, right? Yeah, Chipper was out, Martin was out. I mean, I think if you have Chipper and Martin, you could have won that series. Yeah. And, Conrad, bless him, you know, he tried, um, but, you know, he, he got tons of shit. And I'm sure he's living on a farm somewhere now because he just had to escape the uh, yeah, public eye. I think he, he left the next year and went to uh, Tampa Bay. But, I mean, made some incredible contributions, but also, unfortunately, in this town, he'll be remembered for his, uh, his errors that were very costly. But he had magical moments, and that makes him number two on our list, Brooks Conrad. Yep, and number one... <laughs> Because uh, we're nostalgia whores. Keith Lockhart. Keith Lockhart. Um, just your solid utility player. Played a ton of second base. Pinch hit a lot. Uh, hitting the 260, 270s range. I don't have a super specific memory of Keith Lockhart doing something really heroic, but I know he was always there. He was always our bench guy, always our utility guy, always our pinch hitter. For me, this was before I was like, like I watched baseball, but I wasn't like super knowledgeable of uh, the players and what they're actually doing, but I loved watching it. But I, I remember thinking, I think I asked my dad, I was like, so when someone pinch hits, it's just an automatic home run? Because I just, that's all I ever saw Keith Lockhart do was hit home runs. So I, I just assumed that's what happened. Like you called a pinch hitter, and this guy just somehow hits a home run. Yeah. That's, that's my memory, anyways. I don't, I don't have any stats to back that up. <laughs> but uh, it's a warm and fuzzy memory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I The only real memory I have of Keith Lockhart, uh, I mean, I remember him, but I mean, in terms of like, 
heroic memory was uh, I got his autograph at the CNN Center. I had him sign a little foam football. And uh, <laughs> I was about eight years old. Did he say, hey, kid, I play baseball, you idiot? Negative. <laughs> that would have been funny if he had. I'll say it for you, Keith. I just said it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it again. No. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that rounds out our, uh, our top five Braves pinch hitters. Uh, number five, Mark DeRosa. Number four, Julio Franco. Number three, Eric Hensky. Number two, Brooks Conrad. Number one, Keith Lockhart. We bring you nothing but the most current info and very relevant, of course. Indeed, indeed. So that wraps up our show this week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, find us on Facebook at Atlanta Zone Sports Podcast, on Twitter at Atlanta Zone Sports. Sports. Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave us some more feedback. We're getting some good stuff, so thanks again for that. If you tweeted us, we will respond. Yeah, we still haven't gotten any tweets, but we've gotten some followers. So I think that means we have a 100% feedback rate for responding. Yeah, I think silence is golden. As long as the views keep coming in and no one says anything, I think we're in a good position. Actually, we would love some more feedback. So um, if you have a chance, that would be swell. If not, I understand it is a pain in the ass. Uh, but that is our show for this week. For Graham Waldrop, I'm Adam Kalal. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.